Hey everyone, and welcome back to the First Act Podcast. This is part two of touring as a merch manager and PA with Jessica Sands. Jessica walks us through her unique path traveling the world with artists including Billy Talent, Biba Doobie, and many others. For everyone out there who wants to develop valuable contacts in entertainment, make a comfortable living, and travel the world doing so, this is an episode you won't want to miss. And now, hosted by Harry G., This is your one-stop shop for hot talk straight from the top. Whether you're trying to build a job in pop, rock, or any other artsy schlock, here's your top dog with info that can't be bought, it's gotta be sought. So sit back, crack a six-pack, cause we're about to chit-chat and rip facts. It's the First Act Podcast. I like a lot what you said that like, you know, you, you drew the parallel there that your that your father is an entrepreneur and your mother has the spirit as well. And I mean, I guess that's also part of where you get it from. But at the same time, like, you know, you learn to fend for yourself. And this is an industry, like you also said before, it's like, there's no straight path, right? And that's really why I started the podcast in the first place. So do you feel like you need to be an entrepreneur to thrive in this business? I would say so. You know? Yeah, Yeah, because there's very little stability. You're essentially a freelancer, even though like a lot of tours, you'll be on payroll as an employee, but only for that length of time. Um, It depends. I would say for touring, you definitely have to be. If you want to work for like an agency or promoter um, or a management company, then those jobs are more stable in the sense that, you know, you go to an office, you get a paycheck twice a month kind of thing. But yeah, I think you definitely have to be okay with sort of not knowing when your next job is I mean it's not ideal for me as long as I know when my next tour is I'm comfortable with you know taking some time off but when you're like okay I just got paid and you know I got this lump sum of money because generally you don't spend too much money when you're on the actual tour because, you know, you have your meals provided for the most part. Um, and then you're just working all the time. So I go to baseball games, you know, I do some shopping or whatever. But generally, like, you're not spending as much money as when you're at home. Because if you think about being at home, like, you leave your house, you're spending, like, 20 bucks or 5 bucks, or, you know. It's very rare that I'm at home and I spend no money. Whereas on tour, it happens all the time. Because I'm just at the venue all day if it's a bigger tour and there's catering and stuff if it's a smaller tour and I'm you know given a buyout and I go and get my own food then it doesn't really cover the cost so but you're only spending like 10 bucks or something right so yeah coming home with like a lump sum of money and being like okay how long does this have to last me a month two months six months so it can be really stressful in the beginning when you you know, you just aren't getting as many offers. Well, well how, um, how, can I ask how much money you would get as a merch manager on tour, like starting out? Uh, oh, it really depends. Like, unfortunately, it, like, it's not like film and TV where there are like set rates. Like my first tour was like $700 a week, which is at the time I was like, wow, $700 a week. Like, I get to tour with all these bands I love. Um, and that was a Billy then, Talent? That was a, as a production assistant on a sold-out arena tour with Billy Talent. And I don't want to drag them at all because... No, no, no. You know, but I was really pumped. And then when I started actually doing the job and being like, holy, this is a lot of work. 
you just can't do the math about hourly <laughs> because it's depressing. But yeah, it really depends. Like some, it's not frequent anymore, but like some merch companies will pay kind of like a lower weekly rate and then you get a commission on top of it. But yeah, I mean, I wouldn't even, I would say like, but then I, I, I would say now the average to start is probably a thousand dollars a week. And then it goes up from there based on like the size of the tour. Yeah. I mean, and, and like you said, you don't spend that much on tour. So like, whereas let's say I was making when I, my first paid job in music was a, just, uh, how much was it a week after tax it was $468. <laughs> Yeah. In, New York, in New York City, but I yeah. had to pay for rent. I had to, you know, I had to buy groceries, utilities, phone bill, all these things. Whereas on tour, most of those expenses you actually don't have, right? Yeah. I mean, now I have an apartment, so I still have like, you know, rent, utilities, internet, my phone bill, but you don't have a lot of the like variable spending. So when I did that tour in 2010, that was my first tour with Billy talent. You know, I didn't have an apartment because I was just like subletting when I was off tour. And so I had very little expenses and then I was able to still like come home with money. And I would say the pay is like decent, unless you factor in how many hours you're actually working. Yeah. But I mean, you're, but nobody's you still come work- home with money. So I don't think anybody's working in entertainment for the nine to five. I think that yeah. you're working in entertainment because you're passionate about it. Cause you like the people, cause you like the artists and you just, you like the lifestyle. It's, you know, it's, it's not so much about the money, but you still need to be making money to like, when you're not working, you need to have like a comfortable life. Right. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've always said that, you know, since I started touring and especially with COVID, like a lot of people have left the industry. A lot of them go into film and television or other aspects of the music industry. But I think like for me, if I left touring or when I leave touring, because I feel like you can't do it forever. Like it's definitely very tiring, especially as you get older. I think I would leave the industry because I just don't like I've worked at Live Nation for four years, which is a promoter. I had a good time there. I learned a lot. I worked with really great people. But to me, what I enjoy about the industry is being at the actual show, being on the artist side, dealing with the fans, and then all the sort of side quest things of touring so like being in a random city on a day off Um, I'm a big baseball fan so I've got to see 26 out of 30 stadiums uh, MLB stadiums that is Um, so the travel you know seeing friends all around the world to me that's sort of the main reason to do it and so being just at home going to an office every day like it would be a cool office job as it was at Live Nation, but like essentially it's still an office job. I prefer to be on site. So I guess I could do production locally. That would always be an option, but I feel like I would just sort of, once I'm done with touring, just like say farewell to the music industry and do something else. <laughs> I, have, I have so many questions that I want to ask you about like tour life, but also like pandemic as well. So like, 
What was the pandemic like for somebody who's a merch manager and who's used to going on the road all the time? It must have been real shit, right? Yeah, it was the first like six months were really hard um, because there was so much uncertainty. There was eventually some government assistance for like freelance workers. But in the beginning, nobody knew what was going on. No one knew how long we were going to be off. Everything's getting canceled. I take... Luckily, um, I'm sort of into personal finance. And I I think that comes from my parents, you know, like if you're going to be self-employed, you need to have like a year's living expenses or whatever. So I had some savings, did, wasn't supposed to slash didn't last two years, but I had a little bit of a cushion. And then, you know, there was a little bit of government assistance. I got like three part-time jobs. What did you, so, what, what kind of jobs did you do? Uh, I worked at a gym. I coach baseball or I started a girls baseball league um, in Vancouver, which also has a coaching element, but it's tied to like a bigger organization in Canada. And then I worked at a Cairo, like physio um, massage therapy, like rehab center. So I just sort of juggled three jobs and ended up, during the you know later the last year it was a little bit better because I got more into a routine of being home but I'd never been home for that long and I think for me the biggest sort of realization was that I had always considered myself a well-rounded person like I was like I don't define myself by my job like it's just what I do and I'm like you know I I was an athlete I still play sports I'm interested in athletics I you know am an academic you know I have a lot of interests but when I had no touring for that long I was I I just sort of realized how much I enjoy it and how much I do like take pride in it and it is part of me as much as I sort of deny it because I think I always saw that as a negative thing because I have met and I'm sure you have as well some people that like kind of don't like it anymore, but they're sort of trapped by the money or they come from sort of an old school mentality. And so they're a bit crusty or they, you know, they toured when there was like no women, no people of color, no queer people. So, you know, I meet those individuals and I'm like, Oh, all they have is this, like what a loser. (laughs) You know, and so I always thought I was like, not that I was just like, it's what I do. I love it, but I could do something else. Uh, But then having to step away for that long, like being forced to, I was like, oh, actually I do like it. And it is more than just like a job, you know? Um, So I was very happy to go back. It's still a little, like I had some stuff cancel in January and February, but like March on, it's been fairly steady like fingers crossed we're still able to move forward like as you know and I am pro you know no concerts when we had to like I wasn't one of those people that was like I don't care like I need to work like I was like no there's a reason why we shouldn't be having like large gatherings right now yeah absolutely so hopefully fingers crossed but yeah it was tough it was a, a, a lot more of like an identity crisis than I was expecting it to be like, I was more just worried about the financial side of things and like, how am I going to be able to make enough money 
to support like the bare minimum of my lifestyle. Cause I know that was something that a lot of my friends struggled with is like when you're used to, you know, this is how much you make in a year and then you go to zero it, you can't really just instantly adjust like your living situation. Like, of course no. you're like, Oh, I don't go out for dinner. I don't buy clothes or whatever, but like, but life still if, costs money. <laughs> yeah. And if you have like an apartment or you have like, you know, a way that you live your life that is sustainable by the amount of money you make. And then that goes away, like in an instant, like I had friends that work for big bands that were just like really struggling right away because they had sort of just expected they were just going to keep getting paid this much or they had, you know, tour dates for the whole year. So you can kind of make assumptions based on that. Like merchandise is a little more, you bounce around a little bit more. You work for a lot of different bands but other positions you might work for like one band for 18 months like when I was doing more PA work you know I would have 18 months two years of dates just locked in um so there's a you know a little bit less flexibility in your ability to earn money and it just it was scary I was worried for my friends I was worried for you know the artists that I have worked with and gotten close with and yeah, it was, it was tough. Like, but at the same time, I, I counted myself grateful that, you know, again, worst case scenario, I could have moved home. I don't have a family to support. You know, I wasn't sick. No one I knew really in the beginning got sick. So I was like, I, I felt bad for like healthcare workers and, you know, people that generally were in a really bad situation So I was like, in the grand scheme of things, like not having concerts is not that big of a deal. But yeah, it was definitely tough. It it must have been eye-opening, right? Because like now, like how has your mindset changed knowing that like a pandemic can happen, right? Yeah, I mean, I will say I definitely like prioritize. A, I just was at home for two years and I was like, hey, it's kind of nice. Like got to get my we're never going home tattoo covered up. No, I'll leave it. I have so many bad tattoos. It's funny. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I I prioritize like, I think just in general, there's been a lot more conversations around mental health, especially mental health, like on the road. And so I feel like I've just been like, hey, I can't just tour like 12 months of the year. And being able to say no, because I want to take time off. Like I think it's, and this isn't specific to touring, but just in general, if you're self-employed or you're a freelancer, like there is this sort of fear that if you say no to a job, like you're never going to get another job and you're just never going to, because you know, your cash flow and everything fluctuates so much. There's this thought that like, Oh, well, I got to just take every single job and make as much money as I can, because what if it like goes away tomorrow, Mm -hmm. which was true for two years. But for me, I'm like, okay, well, I've, learn that I can, you know, exist on less. And at the end of the day, like making money in my career is not really the most important thing. So, you know, this like July, for example, I'm taking July off. I've said no to like seven or eight tours. So I could take July off, which still makes me really nervous. But I'm like, okay, well, I'm, you know, I'm booked for the rest of the year. There's things I want to do in the summer. So prioritizing that rather than like just saying yes to everything out of this fear that like, I'm never going to get any other work. And there are people that 
want to be on tour 12 months of the year. They want to make as much money as they can. And that's okay too. But I think for me, it was just the realization that like, A, you can say no, you'll get more calls. Thankfully, I'm, you know, 12 years in. So I am lucky in the sense that I'm not really yet. Like I wouldn't recommend saying no to anything at the beginning of your career, just because, yeah, like, you know, the tours are few and far between when you're just starting out. But now, thankfully, I'm like, no, you know what? I'm taking July off. And I just have made that decision because I used to just do be at home whenever there was no tours. But like, mm. ultimately, especially now, because everyone's touring post COVID like that doesn't really happen. Everybody's always looking for good staff. And so you have to make a point of saying, you know, I'm going to say, no, I'm taking this month off or I'm going to book this trip and say no to anything that interferes with it. And it is tempting because I get some pretty good offers or, you know, bands or people I want to work with, but it's just kind of like sticking to my guns in that sense and prioritizing actually like enjoying life because as much fun as tour is, it's a lot of work and it's very tiring. You're away from your friends and family. You're not like sitting at home on your couch doing whatever you want to do. So I think that time is just as important as the time on the road and actually doing like life stuff, like fun. Because to me, I'm like, well, if I make all this money, but I can't like enjoy it, then I mean, it's great that it's paying my rent, but but you're not there. I want to like go to baseball games and, you know, because you do like, that's one of the hardest things about tour is you miss a lot. You miss birthdays, babies being born life events, everyone sort of moves on without you. So when you get home, you're like, Hey, I'm here. And everyone's like, Oh, well, we've sort of just been existing without you. So like, we don't think to call you or include you and you sort of have to like wedge your way back in, but then you're gone again. And so it can be very isolating as much as you are like around people all the time on tour. And you can, you know, it's a lot easier with FaceTime and everything to maintain like relationships and friendships, but it's still tough because you're not a part of everyone's everyday life. And so you can get home and be like, oh, um, I don't have any friends or, you know, like I play on two teams that I played one game of each, you know, so that kind of stuff. Yeah. so yeah, so, just making time for home stuff. Yeah, it, it it makes sense. You know, you're on the road a lot, and it's you, it's a, it's a sad reality, right? Like it's a trade off, right? You you know, you're doing something that you love, and you get to be on the road, and you get to be immersed in the thick of touring. But at the same time, like you said, you do miss out on a lot of things, like in with friends and family, which which does suck. I I can totally relate to that. Like I you know I moved away to New York to to get started in the music industry. I, I never actually went on tour. I think I'd love to. Um, but, but you know, just even being away for a few years and then coming back every, I don't know, six, eight months or something like that for, for a couple of weeks, it's not enough. And, yeah. and then you're back on the road again. And it's like, you just, you just get settled enough to like catch up with everyone and you're like, oh, okay. And um, I'm gone. <laughs> and yeah. so it's, that happens. I want to switch gears for a moment. So Earlier in your career, you had worked with like Billy Talent. Uh, I think that you'd mentioned to me Alexis on Fire, Cancer Bats, which have a very different de- demographic than some of the artists that you've worked with more recently, like Jesse J. And now you're working with Biba Doobie, right? Yeah. 
Um, so they have very, very different crowds. How is, how does that vary? Like what did, did you make that decision that you wanted to work with younger crowds or did that just sort of come up? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So the first tour, I never worked for Cancer Bats or Alexis on Fire, but the first tour I ever did was Billy Talent, Alexis on Fire, Cancer Bats, and Against okay. Me. So from like a punk kid perspective that I was like, I'm living my dream. This is the best. Like I get to be on tour with all these bands that like I love. So that was really cool. Um, I stayed in that world for a while. So I then went to work for Against Me directly. And then as the years went on, first of all, like you do stay in certain worlds, but you get jobs from other people that tour. And so generally like you do kind of stick in one genre for a while, but then like, as those people move on, like, so do you like my, so I started out as a production assistant to this person named Sam who was the tour manager for Billy Talent. And then he went to work for Train and then called me. And so I went to work for Train and I did that for four summers. And so that was sort of initially how I changed into sort of more like an adult contemporary world. So I worked with Train. Um, the Fray had opened for Train. Then I worked, went to work for the Fray. So a lot of it is like people you meet on tour and then they do their own tour or like that crew member, like there's a tour manager, Ryan, who I've worked with, with Edward Sharp, Fantagram and Ben Harper. He's now with the head and the heart. So he called me again, which I can't do that tour. So that's kind of initially how I jump genres. I started working for a lot of like female pop artists because this is for merch because I was, uh, they just requested a woman. So Jessie J, Ella May, who's an R&B artist, Biba Doobie, Benny, who I just got off tour with. That was all, um, same thing with Lord. Like, so that was how I jumped into sort of like younger female, like pop alt world. Um, but generally I don't, I don't necessarily care. The only thing I will look at is if I'm going to have a good time based on what I can get a sense of what the artist and their fan base is about. So I, I don't know if I should say this, but like I was offered theory of a dead man and I said no, because I was like, I just don't think I would gel with that crowd. Um, so generally don't do country. And yeah, so I, I do like younger crowds because they tend to be a little bit more progressive just because I feel like, the kids are just, they're doing well, you know? The kids are and, all right. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so, and that's just a personal preference because I've dealt with like a ton of like, you know, sexism, racism, homophobia. Like I just don't want to deal with that on tour anymore. Um, and I will say it's gotten better. Like when I first started my career for the first like five years, I was the only woman and I was the first woman that a lot of these artists had ever hired. And so that was a big, like, sort of barrier. I wouldn't say I broke it because, you know, obviously there was a lot of women before me that had worked in the touring industry. But for me, it was really challenging. And it was sort of balancing, like, wanting to work with having to deal with kind of 
those things. And now I'm like, I try to avoid those types of, and I don't want to generalize, but just like the genres that I think I'm going to encounter those issues, I just avoid completely. So like touring with like a 21 year old female artist from New Zealand who like blew up on TikTok. I'm like, it's probably safe. Thanks for tuning in to part two. Stay tuned for part three. Remember, new episodes release every Thursday at 12 p.m. Pacific. See you there.